You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. Good morning. Good to be with you all today. Have one more chance here in the year 2020 to speak to you. Some of y'all may be hoping like the year. I hope this is over soon. It can't be soon enough. But we'll have a final word, and that's one of the reasons why we chose this topic as our uh, year ender, because here in the final message of the year, this is a word that's often found as a closing word in Scripture, closing to so many things. That's not uh, like a friend of mine, a friend of mine, uh, this is the last day he's preaching at his church, he's resigned and going to move on. It's not a final word in that sense, but a final word for the year. Although another friend of mine one time, uh, he had a cheap copy, you know, because you can buy Bibles pretty cheaply. He bought a cheap copy of the Bible and uh, he read a verse or two and said, oh, we don't like that around here. We don't do that. And he ripped the page out, wadded it, threw it on the floor. After it did about three or four of those, the people were kind of perturbed and uh, they fired him that Sunday uh, for disrespect to the word of God. <laughs> so he, he was planning to be fired anyway, I think. But uh, Now, it's not a final word in that sense. Uh, it's also not a use, useless word or a perfunctory word or a trite word. There's uh, actually more s- substance and depth to it uh, than, uh, like so many things, when I first began to study uh, that I myself even had realized until quite recently. Not that I hadn't known it or used it, of course. Uh, I had thought originally of, of uh, this sermon being hallelujah and amen. Uh, but turns out uh, I had too much for both. Uh, and we, we talked about hallelujah uh, not that long ago, and so today we'll have amen uh, to stand on its own. Uh, like hallelujah, uh, we will note uh, that this is one of those together words. Uh, hallelujah means we all praise God together. It's a collective verb that is inclusive of the one who is uh, saying it. So hallelujah literally, quite literally meant uh, we're all praising God. And uh, amen is a word like that. It's going to be very much a together word. Uh, It's very seldom uh, that uh, someone says amen totally on their own. Now I know around here our our habits and our our tradition is not to uh, give out a lot of amens. Uh, we don't even have a lot of people that audibly say amen uh, to the prayers. Uh, sometimes the one who prays is maybe the only one who audibly says it, although I do know under the breath and quietly there are a number of amens that go with every prayer. Uh, but uh, among us, it's not that common uh, to say it uh, all together uh, or to repeat it, but uh, even as uncommon as it is, it's about as uncommon here to do that as any place I've ever been. It's still not a completely isolated word. It is, an, it is a together word. We'll also note about this word, like hallelujah, it's an untranslated word. We don't have that many words where if we went back to the ancient scenes, and I think most of us uh, would like to get in our way back machine uh, every so often and go back and see some of the things that happened in Scripture, right? See some, be there at some of those events. Uh, maybe, maybe take a little uh, tour of the temple, at a worship hour. And uh, being that they were speaking Hebrew of the ancient times, I don't think there's a lot there we'd recognize. 
But uh, two words that I think we'd pick out is I do think we'd be able to pick out hallelujah, and I think we'd be able, uh, although more likely alleluia than, than with the hard H, but uh, I think we'd pick out the, the hallelujahs or alleluias, and I think we'd pick out the amens. Those are about the only two words that make it totally unscathed and just nearly uh, unchanged, although in the old form uh, of nearly everybody except for the last couple hundred years of English, it's amen, not amen. That's fine too. Not that we're terribly bothered about that. The great vow shift did us a lot of favors, uh, but it also obscured a few things. Uh, three or four, well, five or six hundred years ago. Uh, but uh, amen was originally a, a Hebrew word. Uh, it went uh, uh, with the Jews uh, into both Aramaic and Greek. So as they switched their language from Hebrew to Aramaic and their cousin, uh, amen made the trip with them. But amen also made the trip uh, with the Greek-speaking Jews, and Amen made it to the Septuagint translation. And so Hallelujah and Amen uh, are were both in, are in the Hebrew Bible, uh, Old Testament, and the Greek Bible, Old Testament. Well, Amen traveled along with Latin too. And so when the Christians mostly spoke Latin, some three to five hundred years after the time of Christ, uh, Amen made the trip. And then when uh, the uh, Christians of, of Western Europe uh, when they started speaking language at church other than Latin, uh, they started speaking the vernacular in basically every language in Europe. Amen made the trip again. And so all over the, the Western world, and not just there, uh, but in the Far East, the Christians, in the, though they uh, praise God and sing to God in their own languages, uh, Amen has made the trip with them as well. And I, just, I think that makes it well, like hallelujah, uh, just a very interesting word in that we didn't translate it. You know, the other words we didn't translate from the Bible times to now or from Greek to English, it's not very many. Uh, baptism, that's one we didn't translate. We just, we brought the word over. Partly that way people didn't have to define it. They could just use the Bible word and let it mean what it means for, for whatever you want it to be. Uh, but these words are not like that. These words, uh, hallelujah and amen, which is again why I thought about it first taking them together, these two words made the trip uh, unscathed, largely, in pronunciation uh, and in meaning. Now, I just find that to be fascinating, uh, and maybe that, that'll be today's, today's trivia, uh, which I don't know that that's spiritually significant or not, but I just find that fascinating. Now, at the same time, I will say, I'm not one of those who think we have to uh, always say the word Yahweh instead of Jehovah or God or Lord or some other modern thing. And also, I, I certainly think it's a bunch of, of, of really silly nonsense uh, where people say you can't say Jesus, you have to say Yeshua. And so there's a limit to this original language stuff uh, in practicality, and some people take these things way too far, especially when you realize that Jesus in his day in first century Palestine, it's almost certain that Jesus was bilingual and they spoke Greek in their day-to-day -day activities as much as they spoke Aramaic. But in any case, uh, I don't think you're, you're unsaved by saying Jesus instead of Yeshua. But I do think it is interesting these two words make it so, uh, so directly and with so little change uh, to uh, modern times. All right, so the other, another thing about our amen is it starts off with, it is a we're all witnesses word. It means we're, we, we all know that. We all, we all see that. Uh, uh, at the most literal root, amen means so be it, or it is so. It's often used as an equivalent for truth. Sometimes in, in the scriptures, the, the word amen is translated as truth or true or, or truly. 
Uh, but it starts, and the first time it shows up in the Bible is in Numbers 5, where it's a, it's a, it's a we're all witnesses to this. Uh, we see and recognize the action of God in a thing. Oh, I might just add one note that I forgot from the last point. Uh, it's not just Christians and Jews who still have the word amen. Uh, it's one of the things uh, that we, we have uh, in direct common with Islam. Uh, the the uh, Arabic borrowed this word as well, and Muhammad has it even in the very first Salah of the Quran. So, so if you hear uh, Islamic people, uh, if you hear uh, Muslims and Arabic speakers say the word amen, it means the same to them as it does to us. All right, so anyway, uh, so it starts off with, from Numbers 5, as just a, a confirmatory response by the people that this is what God is doing. It's really kind of an odd and bizarre passage to modern readers in Numbers 5, where there is the uh, question of a fidelity of a woman, uh, and she makes an oath that she has not uh, uh, been with a man, and someone else is accusing her, uh, like it is a legal proceeding type, a solemn charge, serious charge. And so uh, she takes a, the woman uh, who is under... Examination would swear a curse, and the, 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 that's Numbers 5.21. And then the Lord will curse you if you, are, if you are lying here and make your thigh waste away and make your abdomen swell and you drink the bitter water and there'll be a, it'll be a curse to you if you're lying, uh, but it will be harmless to you if you're not. Anyway, and when that's done, and this is our word today and why we go here, the first use of the word I'm in, is Numbers 5.22, where the woman will say, upon receiving the curse and accepting uh, this, <laughs> this trial in this fashion, she will say, Amen, Amen. So she's, she's agreeing and confirming that this is the known consequence, that this is, this is the thing that she, she fully understands what she's agreeing to, which, by the way, is a really good test to whether or not you should say the word Amen or not. Are you fully agreeing to what's being said? Are you fully agreeing uh, to what's being said? Uh, I do remember one time I was at a congregation where uh, there was a particular brother uh, who would uh, often say, uh, be called on for prayer. Uh, he would both uh, speak long and low and mumbly. And sometimes it was hard to know when he was done. Especially if you're a little farther away, your hearing wasn't real good. And so the brother who stood either beside him, behind him, or in front of him, it was his job when that brother was done to say a loud amen. So the rest of the congregation would know it was over. Because there were some times, was he, did he pause? Is he done? Can, can we move? Are we waiting? And so uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure the brother who did that service to the congregation also was agreeing with the prayer, right? I'm sure he was. Uh, sometimes I couldn't tell, I couldn't hear enough. So, but it's hard for me to say amen to a prayer that I really didn't witness, right? I'm not a near witness because it didn't make it to my ear in an intelligible way. But we, what we have here is this, this confirmation use of amen. Not so much that we're, we're all in agreement with this, we're all fine with this. It's just that, okay, yes, we know and understand. It's the same thing in Deuteronomy 27. And Deuteronomy 27 has uh, more than half the uses of the word amen from the whole Torah from the entire first five books, is all in the same chapter. Because in Deuteronomy 27 and then in chapter 28, there's the curses and the blessings that are read from Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. 
the curses on, from Mount Ebal in chapter 27 and the blessings uh, uh, on the people uh, of, uh, of God and from God on Mount Gerizim. And after every one of the curses, it says this phrase, and it repeats itself about 11 times in verses 11 through 26. Uh, so cursed is the one who dishonors his father or mother. And remember, that's the first curse. First curse is obey your parents, right? Uh, that's the first, uh, Paul would say, first commandment with a promise. It's also the first curse if you don't. And all the people shall say, Amen. And cursed is he who moves his neighbor's boundary mark. And the people will say, Amen. And cursed is he who misleads the blind. And the people will say, Amen. And on it goes. For about 11 of those and some very... Uh, very specific things. Cursed is the, the one who distorts wit, uh, justice to the to the orphan, uh, the alien, or the widow. Or the last one. Cursed is he who does not confirm, uh, conform, uh, confirm, pardon, doesn't confirm the words of this law by doing them. And so then all the people say amen. Uh, amen. So with every one of the curses, the people acknowledged that they heard that. The people acknowledge that this is the set of rules. It's interesting, the amens go with the curses. Uh, the amens do not go with the blessing. Here at this early uh, usages of the word amen. Now, by the time we get to the middle part of the Bible, First Chronicles 16, which also, uh, chronologically, is around the same time as a lot of the Psalms are first being written, uh, we have really the, the current use and still use of the word amen, even though that was uh, just about 3,000 years ago, maybe uh, 3,000, uh, yeah, just we'll, we'll round number, 3,000 years ago. Here are people using curse in the same way, or should be using amen in the same way we do, not just for, okay, we recognize that that curse is there, but here is a thing of which we are in agreement. Here is uh, our assent to the thing. Here is, here is, are, this is true and we're glad of it, not just as the curse. Ooh, yeah, we recognize that. But this is true and we're glad of it. First Chronicles 16.34 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Verse 35 Then say, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nations, and give thanks to Your holy name, and glory in Your name. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. So here is this, uh, not just, yes, we understand that's true, uh, but, uh, but the we're glad that's true. Uh, we're happy that's true. Uh, we're going to praise God in this truth. And so uh, we have this, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And their only re proper response is the people. So they hear again the together word. The people saying amen. And from then on, uh, the scripture, uh, we find amen being over and over the final word. Uh, it's the final word uh, in various blessings. Uh, Nehemiah 8. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered amen, amen when lifting up their hands, and they bowed low, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so the people bow low, but raise their voice, raise their hands, say, Amen, Amen. 
you go to the throne scene in Revelation 4 and 5, what do you find there? Same thing. So this, amen, amen, at the name of God, to honor God. And so we find it at the end of prayers, the Lord's Prayer, as we call it. Matthew 6, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, basically, what several of these are, and what we find over and over, and this is just but a small sample, one set from Psalms and one set from Romans, is we have these doxologies, the, these closing blessings, uh, which sum up uh, in a few words uh, what we want to say about God. Uh, so blessed be Psalm 41, blessed be uh, the Lord, or blessed be Yahweh, uh, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. Psalm 89, blessed be the Lord forever, amen and amen. Psalm 106, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. There's our amen and hallelujah together once again. And so throughout the Old Testament, just to pick a couple of them there from the Psalms, this is what we do when we praise God. We have these summation statements of praise uh, when we want to give God as much honor and praise and glory as we can. Uh, and uh, how would you summarize that? Well, you just, blessed be his name. Uh, then amen and amen. So we have similar doxologies in the New Testament. In the book of Romans and all, we have four of them. Uh, we'll read uh, Romans eleven thirty six: 36. Uh, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory and honor forever. Amen. Uh, so that's one of these doxologies that Paul just puts right in the middle of things. Or a uh, famous one from uh, chapter 1 where they exchange the truth of God uh, for error. They change the uh, image of God and, and they start to do this corruptible thing. They started worshiping the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so these amens, a lot of times if you see them uh, in the middle uh, of, a, of a group of texts in the epistles, uh, of the New Testament uh, is probably a doxology right before that. So if you're wondering, is that a doxology or not? Well, does it say amen afterwards? If it does, it's almost certainly a doxology. Another place you'll find an awful lot of amens, again, as we said, it's the closing word. It's the last word. It's the last word of letter after letter after letter of the New Testament. Of course, a lot of times those close with doxologies as well. But from the book of Romans, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. First Corinthians. May uh, love, or excuse me, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. From Galatians, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Ephesians, for the doxology there, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever. Amen. Now, Philippians now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. First Peter, to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, second Peter, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. In Jude, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all times and now and forever. Amen. And book of Revelation which concludes the entirety of the revelation. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. So it is literally, in book after book, 
and eventually the entire book. It is literally the last word. And really what we note with these and with these doxologies is not just that, yeah, that's so, yeah, that's true, but the that's true and are we glad for it? That's true and that is something we should praise God for. So it, it, this, this final word, this together word, uh, is really, it is substantial uh, and it is something uh, not to be overlooked. It is uh, many times in prayers, it is our participation. It is our public way of saying, yeah, that goes for me too. Uh, it is, you know, uh, our assent to these things. We think about the, uh, the demons in James 2. They know who God is, but they don't praise, honor, and glory him for it, do they? No, they just tremble. And so the demon doesn't say amen. The demon goes, well, yeah, I know that's true, unfortunately. Drat and dread. Uh, but he doesn't say, yeah, that's true. Uh, but we get to add in our part in this with these things. We can add in our amen. This is our assent. Uh, this is our agreement. This is us identifying with these things. This is us joining in. And so we can do that in the prayers and with the prayers. Uh, we can do that with the lessons and and the, the things taught from God's word, uh, we can do that with the hymns. Of course, with the hymns, we also get to sing as we go. Of course, how do we end a lot of hymns? we got the amen there too. And so uh, this last word is an important word. And not just for the reason the kids sometimes think, which means, hey, that, mean, that word means it's over. <laughs> no, uh, that word means we agree. And uh, uh, at, at the end of the thing, when it's all said and done, is often one of the better times to agree, right? Uh, because uh, we know what's been done. So we have this last word. We have this final word. And speaking of truth and speaking of a final, final word, there is a unique relationship of this word to Jesus. So when it comes to Jesus and in Jesus, there's a very special use of this word. The, the word amen in the original text it, it shows up pretty regular, as we've made mention, through the Old Testament. It shows up a good amount through the epistles. But where this word really shines is in the Gospels. Each of the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, each of those three Gospels, and you think about how short they each are in comparison to the Old Testament, each of those three Gospels uses the word amen nearly as much as the whole Old Testament does, each of them by themselves. And the, word, uh, the, the Gospel of John uh, uses the word more than the Old Testament does, just by itself. But to us, as I said, this is an untranslated word so many times. Well, it is at the end. As a final word, uh, amen is almost never translated. And so amen is, a translated, is an untranslated word. The thing is, though, uh, when it comes to the beginning of a sentence in the Gospels, Amen is almost always translated. And you'll recognize it when we say it. Because when we think about the words of Jesus, how does Jesus begin statement after statement after statement? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he begins them with verily. In the old King James, I'm just old enough to have been raised with that. But I recognize what it means when it says verily. And what does it mean if it says verily, verily? What that means is you're reading from the Gospel of John. Because in, in, in the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
statements of Jesus begin with truly in modern translations or verily in the old translation. But if you go to the Gospel of John and John alone, it's truly, truly or verily, verily. And so uh, we have uh, the amen, amen. It turns out because that word truly or that word verily, that word is the amen. And so imagine instead of like we do, normal, normal people, uh, when do we say amen? We say at the end. Because one of the reasons why we wait till the end to say it is, don't we wait to see if it's all true? Now, this doesn't happen around here, at least for, a lot, for the last 10 years or so, I'm sure. But have you ever been to a sermon where you thought, man, that started off good. I agree with, all, I agree with everything in the first half hour. But then toward the end, it kind of, it kind of went a little sideways. And what would happen if you started just giving your amens all along the way? Well, what happens when it gets a little sideways? Well, can I take some of them amens back, right? Or if what if the, it was th- three-fourths of that lesson was great, but the last few minutes was not, how many of y'all are going to say amen? And so, so often we wait to give our amen to the end, right? Because we want to see the whole thing. I want to know all of what I'm agreeing to, before I say amen. How many times would you want to sign the next to last page of the contract before reading the last page of the contract? Right? And so we normally, and the scriptures normally, amen is our last word. But when Jesus says things, how true are they going to be? And so unique in all the scripture, Jesus points out the truth of the statement before he says it. Now, you might find a few odd exceptions where somebody says, listen to me, this is true, and then they tell you a thing. But Jesus, just as a matter of course, just, in, just kind of in walking around speech, over and over says what? Truly, truly, amen, verily, I say. And so in Jesus, he can do that, which really is the prerogative of deity in so many ways and points us to the absolute truth of God, because there's nobody else who you want to start off all, have them start off all their sayings with truly. I got to tell you, every now and again, I get a sentence that comes out. I didn't think that was a sentence that was coming out when I started the sentence, right? I didn't know where that sentence was going. And the congregation says, amen. No, but, but I, I sometimes get a little sideways. And I, I, sometimes I've had to walk stuff back in the sermon. I go, oh, you know, hold on. I didn't say that right. Let me come back. Or if you've been to the Bible class. Again, it's not a weekly occurrence, but does it happen that somebody says, uh, hey, uh, Jay, what about? And then sometimes Jay persists anyway, but other times what does Jay do? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, we need to, we, let, let's go back. Jesus, there's no need to go back. Jesus, it's all true. And so he can start this right from the front because, as the King James says of 1 John 5.20, the truth is in Jesus in a little more modern translation, it says this, 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so we may know Him who's true. And we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And so Jesus is the true God and eternal life He points us to God who is true, and He Himself is true. And so when we are in Him, we are in the truth. What did Jesus say in John 8? 
If you abide in my word, what are you going to know? The truth. And what will the truth do for you? It'll set you free. And so here's Jesus, who is the truth. He is the true word. As John said in his gospel to begin at the end of his prologue, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the truth. And so he goes around and says, and begins things with amen, or amen and amen. And so he is that beginning amen. The truth begins, ends, and always resides in him. So Matthew 5, 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke will pass away from the law till all is accomplished. So how do we know the law is going to do its thing? Because Jesus said, truly, I say to you, that it will. Or the promise of salvation is uh, one example as he expressed to the thief on the cross. Luke 23 and 43. Truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Where's the thief? He's in paradise. How long has he been there? Since that day on the cross. How do we know? Because Jesus told him. Did Jesus ever make a mistake? No. Because he speaks truly. And so nobody else in the scriptures speaks this way. Nobody else. It should really be a special attention getter when a statement begins with truly, verily, or amen. Because it's always the word of Jesus. And special attention should always be given to the words of Jesus. So truly I say to you, Matthew 18, 3, unless you're converted and become like children, you'll not enter the kingdom of God. Or, as Jesus through the Gospel of John will give us the double amen, pay real close attention to this, even if you, teacher of the law, don't quite understand it, truly, truly, John 3, 3, or verily, verily, I say unto you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, what? How can that be true? How can a man be born if he's old? He can't enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus said, yeah, I was right the first time. Listen up. Truly, truly, verily, verily, amen, amen. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so you didn't get that. Let me tell you again, truly, truly. Second time, I'm going to double repeat myself here. It's you've got to be born again of water and the Spirit. Later, he would tell a more general audience, John 5 and 24, truly, truly, verily, verily, amen, amen, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and doesn't come to judgment, but is passed out of death into life. So we're going to be born again. We're going to believe uh, what Jesus says. That'll be eternal life. John 6, the next chapter, again to the general audience. Truly, truly, verily, verily. Amen, amen, I say to you. He who believes has eternal life. Or John 8, 51. Truly, truly, I say to you. If anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. So believe in me. Keep my word. Be born again. And the way that Jesus says these things with the amen, amen to begin them points to the absolute veracity of the word of God. The absolute confidence that we can have in the only one who can confidently say over and over, amen from the start. 
Now, how many of y'all this morning, at, uh, it's 11 something now, how many of y'all at 9 would have said, I'll just go ahead and give my preemptive and presumptive and uh, pre-approved amen to Jay's sermon? Y'all have such confidence? Why are you laughing? I wouldn't even ask you to do that, would I? Uh, because, uh, you know, come 6 o'clock, I may decide uh, not to amen this one anymore. No, no, I have confidence. That's why I'm speaking it. Uh, but I do understand if somebody points out some points about these, these facts, about this topic, if somebody points out some things that I did not know or, or, or consider, that I did not reason through, uh, I would have to say, I'll take that into consideration. I'll get back with you after I have time to look at it. Uh, I always have to do that with every sermon. And so does everybody else who doesn't speak by inspiration. But even the inspired writers, nobody else but Jesus went around saying, the amen twice first. But this is the absolute truth of Jesus. And this is a divine uh, thing. This is, this, he, it's not just that he can say amen. It goes so far as John would say, John who probably knew him best on earth, but also knew him so well by revelation as his apostle, John would just say he is the amen. Now John would record for us from Revelation 3, Jesus speaking, the angel of the church in Laodicea write, here's the one writing in Laodicea, the amen, or the truth. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, and then came the message to that church. He is literally the amen because he is literally the truth. And, and Christianity has to be very much a truth-based religion. It has truth claims all over it. It has historical claims baked into it that there was a man named Jesus born to a virgin woman about two centuries ago and that at the hands of a historical character, character in more ways than one, but, in a, but of a historical character named Pontius Pilate, he was put on trial and he was executed. And that he really did rise from the dead and he really did, in the sight of witnesses, ascend to heaven. Uh, these are truth claims. And what Jesus says when he says that uh, what I tell you is the truth, I tell you the truth because you're my friends, these are really true. And so everything that comes from him directly or inspired uh, through the Spirit to be said in his name, these are true, and, and he and those that he empowered are like Revelation 3.14, true and faithful witnesses. And so as the truth is in God, the truth is in Christ, and he is uh, the, the uh, truth set before us. Um, th this again reminds us of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah said this, uh, about blessings that God was going to bring on the world uh, of his people uh, and turn the, the order they had then, turn it upside down. But Isaiah 65, 16, it says, because he who is blessed in the earth will be blessed by the God of truth, literally the God of amen in, in the Hebrew. Because uh, again, that's a word that's so, uh, so, uh, often untranslated, but here it is. He'll be blessed by the God of truth. And then it repeats it again. And he who swears in the earth will, be, will swear by the God of truth, or the, the God of amen, because the former troubles will be forgotten and because they are hidden from my sight.
And so the, this great double blessing of, from the God of truth or the God of amen is presented to those who are faithful to the Lord, who swear by him, who trust in him. And this passage of Isaiah takes us directly, especially with that double God of amen, directly to our Lord and Savior, and he's echoing who he is. When he says things like that, I, you know, amen and amen, truthfully, truthfully, truly, truly, verily, verily, it takes us to the fact that, that he is God among us. He is the truth here with us. And so, no, amen is, yeah, it's a closing word, but it's a substantial one. And so with that, we, we close our worship for this year and pray for next year to be good and prosperous. And in so many ways, we hope for things better. But one thing we won't get is anything that's truer because the truth has spoken. The truth has come. He brought grace and truth to light through the gospel. And so let's remember to what we say, amen. Be careful in some context of, to what we agree to and assent to, but to that which is true, and if it's in Jesus, it is, let us always give the hearty amen, maybe even occasionally a double one. But let's think about him who is so true with us, so true to us, and so kind and gracious in it. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.